Hello and welcome back to Theology Happens, where we talk theology and how it applies to our life. I'm Rob Schutz, and this is episode number six. We are going to be talking about something that is very prominent in the church today, uh, a subject matter that uh, is potentially controversial, uh, depending on who you ask, I suppose. And um, frankly, it shouldn't be. It should be pretty shut and dry case. That's probably not the right phrase, but that's okay. It's, it's something that should just be clear as day. And um, yet there are many, 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 many people who are uh, confused, uh, blinded by this reality, or excuse me, this teaching that is that is prominent in um, the Western church. Um, although I, I do believe it's also spreading across Africa and, and parts of Asia as well. But at any rate, uh, what I want to tackle this episode is the concept of what is either known as the name it and claim it teachings or the word of faith movement. And uh, the, they're essentially one and the same. They're, those terms are used very interchangeably. Um, really, if you hear one term, it, it is again, can, can be used interchangeably, uh, word of faith or name it and claim it. Generally, word of faith is used more in the more, um, like, from the people from that camp, but also, just to be more clear, name it and claim it generally is a more of a derogatory, um, like, oh, yeah, your name and claim it kind of movement, and it's used more in that sense. But, nevertheless, some people still use it to identify the group, and not necessarily negatively, but just wanted to throw that out there, just in case anyone's confused on the difference, uh, because ultimately there really isn't much of one. So, what is this movement? Well, basically, it has an origin, much like other heretical things that came in, where at one point um, there was a group of churches that sort of adopted a, a, a particular style of teaching, and they ended up running with this movement and this concept. And it's grown and grown and grown over the years, and, and many different pastors have, have taken on this concept. And so we have to look at it and examine it and go, why is this wrong? Why am I bringing this up? Why am I addressing this teaching today? Well, let's go ahead and first start off with probably who I think might be one of the most honest word of faith uh Teachers, we'll call him a teacher, uh, just avoid confusion with the term pastor. Um, he would probably identify himself as a pastor, but um, if we're going to be strict, strictly biblically uh, definitions, that would be generous. So we'll call him a teacher. So this word of faith teacher, probably who I, like I said, was probably one of the more honest word of faith teachers. Um, and what I mean by honest is that he doesn't dance around this issue. He's very... Um, plain about the fact that he teaches word of faith. It's in fact all over his website. Um, so anyways, this particular teacher, his name is Kenneth Copeland. Now, you may recognize the name Kenneth Copeland. Um, he is very famous. Uh, and in fact, he made a lot of news, uh, even in the um, less Christianal, Christianese culture, if you will. Uh, even people who aren't particularly familiar with uh, the Christian church or any 
teacher that claims to be part of the Christian faith or anything uh, somewhat associated with the Christian church. Um, I heard about Kenneth Copeland this last year uh, because Kenneth Copeland came out and, and said that uh, he was going to, well, he was going to blow away COVID and he told it to go back to the pits of hell where it originated and and all that. And he made a very strong proclamation that it was going to be gone. Um he um he was uh, however incorrect because he said it was going to be gone in a matter of of uh, months and at the time of this recording we're still dealing with covid um and all its various uh, variants at this point uh, we're on delta for a time reference here so anyways um kenneth copeland has made quite a name for himself not only with uh, those kind of things but also with the word of faith and pretty much what he said in that again, teaching or sermon, however you want to classify it, uh, really does sort of um, go along with traditional uh, word of faith teaching. And so let's go ahead and examine Mr. Copeland's website a little bit. So I did go to the, his website, uh, kcm.org. You can find it there uh, if you want to find out more. But let's go ahead and this is in there about us. So right, right on the front of the page, you can find this very easily, very quickly in the about us section. And it says this quote, KCM's, so Kenneth Copeland Ministries, that's the name of his ministries. Kenneth Copeland Ministries or KCM's purpose is to mature believers worldwide in the use of their faith. The vision is to see believers experiencing the fullness of the blessing that's all capped, the blessing all capped, uh, which includes divine healing, supernatural prosperity, the God kind of love, and more, operating skillfully in God's word and well-trained to discern good and evil. Now, you just read that without any context, without any knowledge about maybe maybe you missed all the COVID uh, videos, maybe you missed other prophecy videos that you missed, maybe you've missed some of the other things that he's done. Um, jet interview. Um, yeah, go ahead and look that one up too. Uh, he, he talked to a news reporter about a, uh, a brand new jet. Um, fascinating uh, little exchange there as well. Um, nevertheless, getting back to the point, he, if you, let's pretend you've never heard of this guy which maybe some of you haven't, I doubt it, but maybe some of you haven't, but let's just assume that you haven't, and you read that, you go, okay, uh, mature believers worldwide in their faith, yeah, like use of their faith, of course, that's not bad, our vision is to see believers experiencing the fullness of the blessing, yeah, the blessing, salvation, right, maybe, uh, which includes divine healings, okay, so they are more Pentecostal, divine healings of some kind, whatever that might mean, supernatural prosperity, Okay, I'm not really sure what that exactly means, but okay, supernatural prosperity. I mean, maybe that's just, you know, the blessings of God kind of thing. It did say the blessing, so maybe that's what it's getting at. Or uh, the God kind of love. I mean, who doesn't want the God kind of love, right? True love, agape, right? Maybe that's what they're getting at. Operating skillfully in God's word. Yeah, I, I, I don't know if I've ever said that word, that phrase, but operating skillfully in God's word. Yeah, I would love all Christians to operate skillfully in God's word. And well-trained to discern good and evil. Yeah, sounds great. But here's the problem. This is their about us. This is the main point of what they're about. 
and I have to compare this with with one of obviously Paul didn't come out and write this is my about us on his website. He didn't have a website. He wasn't concerned in that way. But let's compare that to um, something else that he that Paul the apostle Paul challenged uh, the the early church, the first century church, to be about. Uh, he writes this in Second Corinthians chapter five, verses twenty and twenty one. Paul writes, Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as through God, who are pleading through us. We implore you on, on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Now, Again, giving the complete benefit of the doubt. Assuming that we don't know what we already know about Word of Faith. Assuming that um, you've never looked into this. Notice the difference. Within, a, within something that the inspired apostle writing scripture implores or pleads with us um, he focuses on us to rec be reconciled ourselves first and foremost but then secondly to be an ambassador for Christ in that reconciliation in the sense that we then also go forth to proclaim this message of hope and what is the message of hope that he God made him Christ who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So again, we get imputed with the righteousness of Christ so that we can stand before our holy God, pure and justified. Now, in this about us, it says for mature believers worldwide to use their faith. And then what does he focus on? Again, experiencing the blessing, whatever that means, in divine healings, so health, supernatural prosperity, and wealth. There seems to be a focus in Mr. Copeland's message that we should be physically well and monetarily well. Whereas there seems to be no concern for that within Paul, not to say that those are bad things, obviously being healthy is not a bad thing or having financial wealth isn't inherently wicked. But notice again where, where the Christian's attention should be. It should be on reconciliation towards God, being right with God. We don't see that in this about us which is should be concerning at the very least uh, again if we want to give complete benefit of the doubt we should go okay well i should dig deeper and i'm glad you want to do that so let's go ahead and dig a little deeper if we go into um, mr copeland's statement of faith on his website now i did have to do a little bit of digging a couple of clicks to find this 
So if you do end up going to the website and checking this out for yourself, which I highly recommend, don't just take my word for it, but actually do your own study as well. So if you go to his website, you can find this as well. This is on, again, the uh, kcm.org. Um, let me make sure I have that right since I'm connected to the internet, kcm.org. Yeah, it'll direct you right there, kcm.org. Okay, I'm just making sure I had the web address correct. Okay, so, <coughs> excuse me. So if we go, we can find this in his About Us, excuse me, in the, the Statement of Faith, which again, About Us, and you can scroll, and you can find it. It says this, it says, this is this is point number one. Point number one, it says, we believe in one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, creator of all things. Now, once again, on the surface, this might sound completely fine. Uh, yes, um, on a surface level, if someone were to say, hey, do you believe in one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? I'd probably say, yeah. I probably wouldn't think too hard about that. I'd go, yes, I do believe in one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. However, there's something alarming when this is in a statement of faith. See, because when a church has a statement of faith, they are they are saying what they believe about God. They're defining their faith, right? The statement that they're defining what it is that they believe. And what is important, or at least, well, uh, again, to be to give the complete benefit of the doubt, this is either the, this is either a theologically weak sentence. So it's a weak first point, um, or an unclear first point, or it's completely heretical. And I say that because notice, again, what I said, and this is a direct quote. It says, we believe in one God, dash, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, creator of all things. There's no scriptural reference, uh, which it seemed to lack in a lot of uh, the statement of faith, which, again, some churches do that. Um, I, I think it's always good to have a, a reference there. But nevertheless, they don't, and other churches don't either that aren't bad. So, you know, okay, whatever. But... In this opening statement, it makes no distinctions of persons. Because when we talk Trinitarian thought, which is the orthodox view, you have to be you have to make the distinction between the one being of God revealed in the three persons of God. And we don't really see that here in this opening line. Which, if you're going to talk about the one being of God, why aren't we also now talking about the persons? Um, of God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And so there's no distinction there. There's no drawing that out. There's no making a clear point, a clear theological um, statement. And so, like I said, it's either very theologically weak or lazy or um, incomplete at the, at the best case scenario. But at the worst case scenario, this is complete heresy because it's potentially alluding to uh, what is modalism. And I don't really want to get way off subject here because this isn't necessarily essential to uh, the Word of Faith movement, but it most of the time goes with it. So that's why I'm bringing this up. So modalism is an, is an ancient heresy um, that, that goes way back. Um, and it basically um, asserts that God appeared in different forms at different points in time different modes, right, or different, um, yeah, modes, hence the name modalism, right? So essentially their their argument in the modalistic thought is that 
uh, in the Old Testament, God is known as what we would identify as the Father, right? The the Father God um, who, you know, called Abraham, yada, 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 all, did all the, you know, the Exodus, um, parting of the Red Sea, um, you know, all down the lines of, you know, Joshua and the kingdom of David and all that stuff, right? That's that's God, but he was acting as the Father and in the mode of the Father. But then, boom, the incarnation and God now comes as the Son, ceasing to be the Father. And he's just the Son. And then the Son obviously you know, lives his life. He does his earthly ministry. He dies on the cross. He resurrects. And then he ascends. And... Um, from and then at the ascension we then see the holy spirit come later at pentecost and so then that's what god takes on that mode as the holy spirit in the next sequence of events and so uh within modalism he was again at one point the father one point the son and then one point the holy spirit not distinguishing the three persons of the trinity and so that's what this could be alluding to and i again take the time to go into this because again most word of faith preachers uh, word of faith teachers are uh, modalists um some are are blatant about it um td jakes uh very um at least in the past i haven't heard anything recently um i don't follow him them all that closely but in the past was very um honest about his modalism um very much um anti-trinitarian um but nevertheless, um, not all Word of Faith teachers are even going to talk about it. Um, some Word of Faith teachers get very much into um, that doctrine because not only that, but there's other doctrines too that, again, could really derail us because we want to talk on the main thing. So let's get back to the main. Oh, well, actually, let me, since we, <laughs> since I was bringing this up, um, I will go again why I think Copeland is, is leaning this way. Uh, because in the second point, he says, we believe in uh, we believe that the Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, was conceived of the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin, was crucified, died, and buried. He was resurrected, ascended into heaven, and now seated at the right hand of God the Father, and is true God and true man. And again, this can be theologically confused or, or theologically weak, because again, it... it it's not using the traditional terminology to draw persons. It's just talking about each mode potentially without, without making clear distinctions between the persons. Um, and so it can be very loosey goosey and, and get off on um, who knows where exactly they're going. And so again, bring this up because when you look, bring this up again, because if there's a teacher you have maybe you found a clip online went, oh that's really cool that was a cool little tidbit and you go oh, i want to i want to watch more of them before you watch more of them you should probably look into the organization that they're with whether it's you know a parachurch ministry or if they're you know ahead of a church or whatever the case might be you should look into that and go what is it that they believe is this somebody who's going to actually be solid or not and, and so you can look through their statements of faith and, and hopefully come away with a better understanding of what they believe and and where they're going or at the very least can know well this sounds a little fishy maybe i need to 
be careful and you can tread more lightly uh, before you get too excited about a particular teacher. So, <clears throat> all right. So let's get into the sort of the root issue of Word of Faith teachers and why I'm spending so much time talking about these people. Well, because essentially they teach something that is completely contrary to scripture. Their main focus is not on salvation, is not on redemption, is not on sanctification, justification, glorification, none of that. Their main thrust is on how man can live his best life now. In fact, that's a popular title of one of these Word of Faith teachers, Joel Osteen, uh, wrote a book a number of years ago um, called that Live Your Best Life Now. And um, it's pretty funny to take that phrase and then apply it to the early church um, when you have martyrs um, or 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 Paul, when he's listing off uh, his uh, trials that he went through about being stoned to death or uh, nearly stoned to death, um, you know, beaten with uh, with rods and all these different things, shipwrecked, all these different trials he goes to, and then you just throw uh, hashtag live your best life now, and it just sort of <laughs> makes you scratch your head a little bit. Or you know, Stephen, uh, the first martyr, um, you know, uh, being stoned to death. Um, for preaching the gospel, live your best life now. Yeah, it sort of makes it hard to to <laughs> connect those two. But nevertheless, uh, that's what this organizations, these churches do, is they try to draw this distinction, or they try to draw this out of scripture. They try to teach that essentially, at the at the root end, God wants us to be happy. He wants us to be healthy, and He wants us to be wealthy. Um, and that really, the only thing stopping God from doing that in our lives is us or our lack of faith or our um, rather our um, negative thoughts or our negative uh, proclamations um, or um, just lacking the faith that God can and will do whatever it is that we want. Um, and so bas basically, so if there's some job interview that you've been gunning for, um, and that you uh, and that you uh, haven't gotten it, it's because you haven't believed well enough or you haven't proclaimed it enough. You haven't um, you know woken up every day going, you know, today's the day I get that raise or that promotion or whatever the case may be. It's because you aren't doing it right. And you need to have the right mindset. You have to have the right um, energy essentially. And you can see that when you start seeing that, like, man, the apostles sucked at faith. <laughs> and I, I know that maybe sounded crass, but I mean, think about it. Think about uh, what the early church, the fathers of our faith, the, the not even just the, the after the death of Christ, but the patriarchs and uh, the, the good holy kings of Israel, what they went through, some of the trials that they went through, um, because apparently they lacked the faith, yet somehow they're supposed to be the example of these things. See, because the reality of the matter is, is they have 
they have taken a very I'm sorry, not a very well known, but they've they've taken a teaching that that is old. Um, that they want to say this is what the Bible teaches, but I mean, really, this is a this is a new age kind of belief system. Um, it's a sorry, I'm looking at my notes for uh, where it comes from. Um, the anyways, mind science. There's the term, mind science, and like metaphysics. And it's all this stuff sort of rooted in those kind of uh, disciplines that then some churches grabbed a hold of in the, in the late 20th century and and ran with. Um, and unfortunately, it got ad- attached with some of the early Pentecostal movements, and it only grew from there as um, genuine faith was being spread. Um, it, it, got, it got attached in, and it got to be a part of this where... It wasn't just, you know, what the Bible said, but it was, you know, we got to be able to proclaim these things and teach these things. And this teaching has grown and grown and grown, and it's become really gross and really disgusting because if you take what they say, well, let me give you an example before I get too far on my soapbox here. It's all good to ground ourselves in the word, right? Yes, it is. So, (laughs) so let's, let's. Take an example of what they like to do. They will take a passage like Matthew 21, verse 22, which says this. It says, and whatever things you ask in prayer, believing you will receive. So basically, they will read that one verse and they will say, listen, whatever you ask for in prayer and you believe, you will receive it. Period. End of discussion. End of story. No need to go any further. So you want that raise? Believe it. Pray for it. Ask for it as if it's already done. Because it'll come. You want a brand new car? Boom. Same deal. Bigger house. Excellent. Obedient children. Boom. Done. It all comes down to what you think and what you believe, and if you proclaim it in, ready for this? I'm air quoting, faith. I say air quoting to my audio-only audience. So, because they really twist the word faith. Because within this, faith isn't a divine gift of God to know who God is. It's not, it's not knowing that God is true. It's not trusting that God will bring us through to the assured promises that he has for us in scripture. But no, it's, it's a power. Faith is something that you can grab and use to determine your will or determine uh, the outcome of things. Uh, faith in the word of faith movement is not grounded in reality in the sense that it's not grounded in a in a god who actually exists it's rooted in again this sort of cosmic 
something that you can grab and with the right amount of faith proclaim and declare things into existence. And again, if you fail to get what you desire, it's because you lack faith. Because they will again quote Matthew 21, verse 22, and say, And whatever things you ask in prayer, believing you will receive. Boom. It's done. <sighs> but one of my professors, I can't remember which one said this. So I'm really apologetic to any of my former professors that might hear this one day. I'm doubtful, but maybe you guys will find me. Um, <laughs> he always said, never read one verse. And again, I, I think it was Dr. Hernandez, but I, I could be attributing it to the wrong professor, but never read one verse. <laughs> now, some of you might go, well, what do you mean don't read one verse? Like, don't read the Bible? No, no, no. I mean, don't read just a single verse and run with it. Um, it's classic example of you know cherry picking or or proof texting you know to find a single verse to go that's the one that I want uh, to make my point and uh, everybody does this um, I mean we even when you're trying to defend a true teaching within the church you'll grab a verse that you want to run with and go see that's that one that's that's sufficient and so we all do it but if we're actually going to be consistent we can't do that we gotta we gotta look into the passage so like i said this is in matthew chapter 21 and i read particularly verse 22 so let's go ahead and back up just a little bit did i not oh i just paraphrased okay so if you back up <laughs> i didn't put the passage in my notes so hold on one second so so if you read this story actually in its context, you will see that this is probably not saying what Copeland and others might want it to say. So if you back up to verse 18, we will see this. We will see, now in the morning, as he, Christ, Jesus, uh, returned to the city, he was hungry. And seeing a fig tree by the road, he came to it and found nothing on it but leaves. And he said to it, Let no fruit grow on you ever again. Immediately the fig tree withered away. Okay, weird story. Uh, okay, let's keep going. Uh, verse 20, because like I said, this is verse 21, excuse me, 22 that they like to use. So let's keep going. And then the disciples saw it, and they marveled, saying, How did the fig tree wither away so soon? <laughs> and so Jesus answers them. And he says, So Jesus answered and said to them, Assuredly I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt, you will not only do what was, excuse me, not doubt, you will not only do what was done to the fig tree, but also if you say to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, it'll be done. And whatever thing you ask in prayer, believing you will receive. And so you might go, wait, what does that really help us answer? And yeah, if you are familiar with the fig tree, because the fig tree cursing, especially because on 
the very next little chunk there in verse 23 says now he came to the temple the chief priests and the elders and the people confronted him and his teachings and said by what authority are you doing these things and who gave you this authority see because what does jesus call out so often in the gospels hypocrites someone who looks like they should know what's going on but doesn't right the whitewashed tombs you're white and pure on the outside but inside you're a decaying corpse the fig tree was the same thing it looked like a tree that should have fruit that should be bountiful it should be bearing good fruit but it wasn't it was just all show it could talk the talk, but it could not walk the walk. And that's exactly what we see play out. Is that not who Jesus calls out and brings judgment to, but the self-righteous, the hypocrites, the people who say they know him, but by their acts and by their deeds and their words, they clearly have not really studied the scriptures. And so when he's talking about doing, when he's talking about faithfulness and believing and that whatever you ask will be done, it's within that context. It's within the very specific frame of, if you know me, if you're with me, if you're walking in love, in obedience, in faithfulness, Again, faithfulness in the biblical sense of trust. Trusting me. Yeah, your prayer life will be fruitful. It'll be powerful. Not because you can change the will of God, but because you understand that you are a mere servant of God, an ambassador being obedient. And so if you were... If you are obedient, if you are walking with the Lord and you do pray something and it's the will of God and it's clearly what he wants because he's leading you, then yeah, those things will come to be. Not because you proclaim it, not because you have the right amount of faith, but because God has moved you and stirred your heart and, ready for this, changed you into conformity and into his likeness. Notice the difference. Notice the focus. Maybe you still don't believe me. Maybe you go, well, Rob, I think you're full of it. I think that passage does say exactly what the word of faith people do, and, and you're, you're taking it out of context. Well, then I would challenge you to go back to the beginning of chapter 21. Where does Jesus start? Starts with a triumphal entry. This is Jesus coming in for Passion Week. This is Jesus coming to bear the burden of sin for the people of God. They're chanting Hosea, Hosea, or excuse me, Hosanna, Hosanna. They're laying the branches, the palm at his feet. He's on the donkey that whole scene and then where does he go goes to the temple 
And what does he do? He drives out the money changers and the corruption. On the exterior, the temple still looked like the holy place of God that it had always been. But on the inside, it had grown corrupt. And that was just a mere shadow of the judgment that would come to the covenant people, the Israelites. So, now if you still don't believe me, then you can turn this off and go find somebody else to listen to. But nevertheless, this is the type of thing that the word of faith movement does. It'll take a passage like this and it'll put a meaning that isn't there. Another popular thing they like to do is they like to take the Old Testament stories and try to twist it into become something about you, right? Like, let's, like a classic example is Goliath. David and Goliath. Everybody knows the story of David and Goliath, right? We little, you know, uh, weak shepherd boy comes into the war scene unafraid of the Philistines, unafraid of the Philistines' giant, literally giant champion, Goliath. And he says, I don't need none of this stupid stuff. I'm going to come and I'm going to kick that uh, Philistine's tushy. And I'm going to grab my rock and boom, hit him right in the noggin and knock him out. And so they'll take that story and go, see, if there's a Goliath in front of you, that means God believes you're a David. (sighs) Or they'll take it and they'll totally weaken the message of that story. And they'll say, what are the Goliaths in your life? Is it that debt that you have? Is it that low-paying job? Is it the stress of not being respected at work? You have to slay those Goliaths. Because you have the power of faith, just like David had the power in the rock. And you can strike down those Goliaths in your life. (sighs) Buffoonery is what that is. Nonsense is what that is. You see, (laughs) this is important to know. Maybe this is the first time you've heard this, and I hope not, but let me blow your mind if it is. Scripture is not about you. The stories of the great men of faith are not about you and your difficulties. Now, there's things to be learned and obviously wrestled with and grasped from there. There are certain things that do apply directly to us as a believer in Christ, absolutely. But A historical narrative is not about you overcoming a stressful situation. No, that biblical narrative is a type and shadow of Christ, of the victorious Christ defeating sin and ultimately death. 
saving his people. David comes onto the scene as the unlikely hero. Christ rides into Jerusalem on a donkey, the unlikely hero. It's a foreshadowing. It's a type. It's a, hey, pay attention. Goliath represents the Philistines, one of the nastiest enemies of the people of God at that time. A nation that plagued the Israelites, that warred with them, that then an unlikely person comes in and punches in the face, well, throws a rock in the face, and then decapitates. The story doesn't end with the rock hitting him in the head. The story ends with David cutting off his head because it's ultimate. It's final. It's a picture of the atonement that we find in the sacrifice of Christ and his ascension, excuse me, in his resurrection. <sighs> Got on my soapbox a little bit there. Sorry, that's what you pay for, right? You guys don't pay for anything. It's totally free. Anyways, so here's what we do. TV is littered with all of these false teachers. All over the place. You can find uh, Joel Osteen, Joyce Myers, T.D. Jakes, um, Kenneth Copeland, these kind of guys on TV everywhere. Um, TBN loves these guys. Their ratings are doing especially well. <sighs> so what do you do? Test their teachings to the scripture. It's that simple. It's that simple. See, we as Christians need to be so immersed in the Word of God that we know it, that we breathe it, that it just pours out of us in any situation. I marvel at the men... Uh, who who came before us, who in great times of persecution, the, the dedication and the complete confidence in the, in the scripture that they recite when they're being led to the gallows or to the firing, um, not the firing squad because they weren't being shot to death, uh, like to the, the fire that they were going to be lit on, like literally lit and burnt alive. They're reciting scripture. They're saying things that ooze and sound and reminisce to scripture. Even, even Christ on the cross, we, th we sometimes think about the, the phrases that he says while he's on the cross. Some of those are direct scriptures. Messianic prophecies or messianic texts that were pointing to him from time past that he then recites. You know, we often think, oh, when he says, oh, uh, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Like, we often think, oh, that's because all the pain and the torment and all that. Like, no, that's a psalm about him that God used 
in yes a trying time for David but it also pointed to this salvific moment and any Jew who in that time who was a man of faith a man of God would have known that psalm and would have been like oh that's where he's going with this and it would have immediately turned their attention to there but again so many were whitewashed tombs that they didn't actually know the word and so that's why we must because if we're going to listen to one of these preachers or we just stumble upon them or somebody says oh so and so said this it should make you go wait hold on that's not consistent with the word of God. Let me scroll back here in my notes to where we started to conclude. Again, let me recap. Remember, word of faith says that we hold this power that if we just believe we have the right thoughts, if we have the right proclamations, that we can bring these things into being. And I'll tell you what, some of the teachers I've heard on this go into some crazy ideas um, about the nature of God and the nature of man. And It's not all word of faith, so I don't want to include and don't get bogged down, but there's maybe I'll tag some sources that show into this because it's interesting stuff. But nevertheless, that's what this is, right? The blessing as... as uh, uh, Kenneth Copeland Ministries puts it, which includes divine healing. So again, that well or that, that uh, health, supernatural prosperity, that wealth, health and wealth. Boom! It's right there. That focus on me. What do I get? What do I obtain in this life? When our example from scripture says now then we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were pleading through us we implore you on Christ's behalf to be reconciled to God be reconciled don't just get something from God but be made right be in right relationship with God why for he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of Christ. So God will be glorified for redeeming those that are in Christ. Kenneth Copeland, what do I get? What about me? How can I be glorified right now? Gospel, how is Christ glorified by what he's done in me? An important distinction between these two things. Because one will make my flesh happy. Word of faith, what do I get? What can I obtain? What can I become? Me, 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 me. Selfishness, pride. Gospel. Whoever finds us. Or whoever uh, seeks for his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life finds it. Sacrifice. Death to self. Christ be the glory. Christ be the focus.
So, thank you for uh, tuning in to Theology Happens. I hope that God uh, can use this to help encourage you to continue to study, continue to get into the Word, and continue to be able to discern truth from error. And so again, uh, thank you guys, and uh, God bless.